0: Three degrees outside our KTDR studios, time for our Phelps Health program, and uh, Paige Titman is your host.
1: Good morning, Paige. Good morning, Lee. It's nice and uh, warm in here. It's freezing outside.
0: Mm, A little cozy,
2: that's true. Yes. I'm I'm glad you're comfortable.
1: Yeah, me too. Um, So today, I have got a whole group of people with me, Um, similar to whenever Summer was kind of running the Ask a Professional show, and she trained me, and I have brought Jason Small here today, who's our digital marketing specialist, and he's going to start co-hosting with me. So welcome, Jason. Good morning. Yeah, we're super excited to have you here. Jason's got an amazing radio voice for anybody that's listening in today. It's going to be a really great show. Um, before we kick off, Jason, just tell us a little bit about yourself and your role at PubSelf.
2: Oh, wow. So uh, I'm the digital marketing specialist, which means I spend a lot of time with computers and big data and uh, encouraging everybody to embrace the creepiness because our phones <laughs> and our computers tell tell people like me everything there is to know about you. So I take all that data and I say, here's the best way that I can connect a Phelps Health Mm -hmm. message with somebody who wants to learn about a particular product or service, say, knowledge about diabetes. Mm -hmm. I can take all that and say, this is the type of person we need to talk to.
1: Yeah, I love that, which is perfect because today we're actually talking about diabetes with Kim Richardson, who is a diabetes nurse educator at Phelps Health. Kim, welcome back. Oh, thanks for having me. We're glad you decided to come back after your last show. (laughs)
0: It's definitely out of my comfort zone, but you know we so many people need help and knowledge, and so I want to do whatever I can to help people.
1: No, I totally agree. I've even gone to some of the support groups that we'll talk about today just to kind of educate myself um, for my loved ones and and those that I'm around, so I can share this information. So I am really excited to talk about diabetes today. Let's just kick it off talking about your role at Phelps Health as a diabetic nurse educator. What does your role entail?
0: So we are so lucky to have a great diabetes education program at phelps health and we um, people can get referrals from their doctors to come in to learn how to manage their diabetes and a lot of the insurance companies including medicare will cover 10 hours of initial training and when you compare that to the 15 minutes you get with your doctor Mm -hmm. it's just invaluable information and we also have free programs for people who can't necessarily afford the um, If their insurance doesn't cover the diabetes education or if it's just going to be too much for them. So we try and reach everyone we can to help them have that support with their diabetes. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm just no. Oh, your turn. Yeah, my turn. yeah. it I was this great information. Attention. He was trying to digest it. All
2: this great information about diabetes. You know, my doctor says I'm pre-diabetic. Oh. I'm looking at the uh-huh. list, going, "Oh my gosh, all these things." <laughs> so, can you tell us a couple of facts about diabetes? Uh, about how many people it affects? What's that like?
0: Oh, <laughs> there's. Um, it's just growing, which is unfortunate. Okay. But there's over thirty million people in the United States alone that have diabetes and there's probably about 700,000 of those people are living in Missouri, and that's not even counting the people who are pre-diabetic or haven't been diagnosed.
1: Do you think the pandemic has anything to do with that as well? Not people getting COVID, but people maybe not going to the doctor to do proactive treatment or recognizing that, oh, I have diabetes, I'm newly diagnosed, because maybe they're just not even going in to see their primary care.
0: So many things have affected Mm -hmm. people's health with the pandemic. So, not only is it they're not, they may not have access to a doctor or, or they're not feeling comfortable going into a doctor's office, but there's been a lot of a struggle with mental health and people have gained weight mm-hmm. because of the pandemic. And so that puts you at higher risk for developing diabetes if maybe you were pre-diabetic before. So there is a lot there and we do try and reach people where they're at. So we can do telehealth. We do a lot of phone conversations to try and support people that way too. Paige, hey, I am a diabetic. Yes. You know. mm-hmm. And I found out I was a diabetic back in 2001. Mm-hmm. I went in for a bad cold. Mm-hmm. And my doctor said, you know, your blood sugar is 420. I
2: said, so? I know nothing about it. Right. I didn't know that was even a...
0: What does 420 mean? What does all that mean? And I got totally educated. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And it's pretty amazing, uh, all of the statistics that came my way that I didn't know that I actually had. And you mentioned that people find out about it. Well, in my situation, if I didn't have a cold, I wouldn't even have known it. Right. And that's the thing is you can have high blood sugar... And not necessarily know that it's high because the symptoms can be kind of vague and, you know, you're tired or you're super thirsty or you're hungry or you're having to use the bathroom a lot. But those you can just kind of dismiss those. And so that's a lot of it is that people don't know unless maybe they have a illness or they go in for yearly lab tests or A lot of people won't find out until their blood sugar is critically high, you know, Mm -hmm. six, seven, eight, hundred, a thousand, and they end up in the ICU because their body is so out of whack that they can't even function. Go ahead, Jason.
2: How does hereditary factors play a role? We just talked about the amount of people in Missouri who have diabetes, and we're in a room here where, you know, we have a diabetic and family members. I've lost, um, you know, my, my, my grandpa, my father's side, and his father to diabetes. How does all that connect for somebody like me? I'm sitting here in my
1: late
0: 40s. Am I at risk?
1: Yeah, going through this list, wondering yeah. how many of these apply <laughs> yeah, to you. Yeah, right. You am know, checking uh-huh. them all off here.
0: Genetics definitely play into it. It puts you at a higher risk of getting diabetes. I'm actually diabetic myself, um, and I was adopted, so for the longest time I didn't know if there was any family history. And I just found out a couple weeks ago that I have a great aunt and a cousin who has it but you know so we do know that there is a big genetic component but there's a lot of lifestyle factors that can play into it going from maybe pre-diabetes to diabetes or you know that kind of thing so it is manageable just like heart disease can is definitely genetic and but you can still do things to kind of help minimize that impact on your health okay
1: So I've got some follow-up questions for that. I sit here as I'm running an additional (laughs) question. So let's talk about nature versus nurture. So I come from a family history on both sides where there is diabetes, I don't know, like one generation removed from me. So is that something that is kind of nature versus nurture, or will I at some point maybe
0: have diabetes? Can I control that with my diet, exercise? So... The general answer is yes, mm-hmm. <laughs> but there's no guarantee. The <laughs> yes, there's no guarantee uh-huh. because some of it and I what I tell people is it's like when you were put together they shake up all the the genes in a cup and roll them out like dice and that's how you were made mm-hmm. and so you know you have the genetic component and so you can definitely do lifestyle choices that can minimize that risk of developing diabetes but for some people you can do everything and you still get it so Mm -hmm. it's kind of luck of the draw for part of it but you can definitely there's definitely things you can manage in your life that can minimize that risk
1: I love hearing you say that because whenever you say roll the dice in my mind I'm like okay well I'm really good at Yahtzee so yeah (laughs) yeah maybe maybe the dice were rolled right for me yeah Um, Jason do you want to ask a question I do
2: so, there are people who, let's face it, we get into, uh, you know, when we're young, we're told to go to the doctor, mm-hmm. and then when we're older, we're told to go to the doctor. Mm-hmm. But when we're middle-aged, when we get to that point where we should be examining ourselves for diabetes or considering some of the risk factors, we're kind of complacent. We don't go. Mm-hmm. Are there some symptoms that I should look at uh, every day and say, huh, maybe I need to go visit my care provider to see if this is something that's mm-hmm. going on for me?
0: So... I, um. The big, you know, if your blood sugar is high, you may not necessarily know. It's easy to dismiss symptoms like being tired. And this is that wet noodle tired, where Mm. you just, it's so hard to lift your hands up off your desk. And if you think about Thanksgiving, it's not the tryptophan and the turkey that makes everybody so tired, it's all the carbs and your mashed potatoes and your stuffing and your rolls and your pie and everything. That makes you so tired because all of that, those carbohydrates get turned into sugar in your blood and that makes it go up. And so if you've had times where you're just constantly thirsty and you can't drink enough water. So then you're up, you know, all night going to the bathroom and you're just really tired and you, you're hungry, but you don't feel like you're getting satisfied. Mm-hmm. That's, Those are signs saying your body is starving for energy and it's also trying to use that water it's making you drink to get your sugar out of your blood so things like that can be indicators um and what i like about phelps health with their employees is that every year to get a discount on our insurance we have to get blood work and one of those things is they look at what your blood sugar is with part of those labs and that can be an indicator too so you know it's It's good even if you're healthy to see your doctor once a year and kind of get those checkups because if we can catch those things earlier, like you can have high blood pressure and not know it. So if we catch that earlier, that can minimize those long-term complications. Just like if we catch diabetes earlier, we can put things into play to help minimize those complications. Thank
1: you. I love hearing you say that because my husband, because I work at Phelps Health, he also has to go and do an annual wellness exam. He's a male. He's kind of like Jason. He's not going to go until he has to go. And at that point, it's almost kind of too late, right? Right. So now that he's kind of been forced to be a little bit more proactive in his health, one of the things we've noticed over the past three years is that his cholesterol trends high. Mm-hmm. So he's made diet modifications. He works out a lot more. And we've noticed this third year, it's still high. So that's something that's probably um, hereditary for him. And now he knows this is what I need to do to start managing that. So I I think that's really cool. I think that's a great point. Mm -hmm. So if anybody listening doesn't have a primary care provider, it is so important to have that so you can start establishing these relationships, this historical information. Um, What else would you mention about maybe primary care that I haven't touched on?
0: I just think it's really important to have that as part of your team because Mm -hmm. you really do need to take a team approach you are ultimately the boss of you you Mm -hmm. know a lot of people say oh no i have to do whatever my doctor says well you should have a relationship with your doctor so that they know you and then if you do come in and have a new thing one you know it's new because Mm -hmm. you have this baseline set but two if you have a good relationship with your provider be it a doctor nurse practitioner pa Mm-hmm. then you guys can come to an agreement on where you want to start you know how what steps do you want to take at first to try and mitigate these problems like high cholesterol or high blood sugar or high blood pressure mm-hmm. and then kind of work together to find what's going to work best for you in your lifestyle
2: i love that you said you have to have a relationship with yeah. your doctor because it's it's interesting we all look at ourselves and say oh it, it can't happen to me even though I've got two generations or so on and so forth or our spouse mm-hmm. our spouse will say hey you have to go to the doctor oh no 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 <laughs> but I'll tell you the relationship with my doctor um, I run with him was one of the things that got me to go have my my annual physical mm-hmm. and he did his blood work and said hey I think you got something going on so he turned me on to some resources. Mm-hmm. So does Phelps Health offer any educational resources where we can learn a little bit more about diabetes, are we at risk, symptoms, and so on?
0: So we um, we do have a free program for people who would be considered pre-diabetic, um, and that can, we call it our Survival Skills Boot Camp. So it's an introduction to what diabetes is and what that means inside our body and the things that we can do to help Decrease the risk of kind of rolling over into full diabetes. And it's, we do the class once a month and it's a two part, two hour class. So, two two hour classes that we go over all that. And we also include healthy eating. And it's not, we don't, diets don't work. We know that. You can look at all the data out there and they don't work. But Mm -hmm. so, what we want to teach people to do is to find a way to eat healthy, but still. And kind of try and keep ourselves as healthy as possible, but still have food that tastes good. Because I certainly am not going to eat food that doesn't taste good. So I'm going to do everything I can to help people put meals together that feed their soul as well as their body.
1: I love hearing you talk about diet and how people can't stick to a diet because you're right at the end of the day. So let's define the difference
0: between a diet and the lifestyle that you're talking about. So diets are usually short term. And, you know, there are eating meal plan diet things out there like Weight Watchers that does look at it over the long term. It tries to support you and gives Mm -hmm. you that encouragement throughout your lifestyle. But then if you look at like keto or these HCG diets with these ridiculously low calories in a day, all of that may give you weight loss in the short term, but it's Mm -hmm. not sustainable. And the problem with that is when we do these crash diets or these extreme diets is... It affects your metabolism, so then when you go off of it, because you can't sustain it, you're going to gain more weight back. And it puts you in this yo-yo where it messes up your metabolism, it affects your health, it's not good for your heart, all those things. So if you can get into a routine where you're getting those healthy foods consistently, one, it's sustainable and it's something you can do for the rest of your life, and two, it's adaptable. You can be successful with a healthy meal plan on vacation or you know during the holidays during the holidays you can have your pie right and so and it's and it's trying to look at it that way so that we and and it's foods you can enjoy we don't say hey you have to have toast and peanut butter for breakfast every day we say this is you know how you should put a meal together with this many carbohydrates this much protein all that stuff and then you can it can get to the point where it's just kind of automatic that that's what you do so it's helping create those healthy habits
2: i, l- I really enjoy hearing that there's some connecting some dots here that there's a formula mm-hmm. so i hear lifestyle choices avoiding the the trends what other types of things should we consider as part of our lifestyle because you're right uh, you know you you turn on any tv show at a certain mm-hmm. time of day there's the five-minute cure that's going to let me eat anything i want or the new workout right yeah Uh Mm -hmm. what are some of the other items that i can put together in my life say three or four things that'll help me reduce my risk organically
0: so you already mentioned one because you said you run Mm -hmm. and so activity and activity is so important and this is not this you know you don't need a formal workout plan with a trainer or even at a gym just moving your body it can be walking it could be running it could be dancing in your kitchen with your kids what about cleaning your house because i feel like that takes me a whole day (laughs) yeah it does and it counts because think about if you're vacuuming Uh you can work cleaning you can definitely work up a sweat Mm -hmm. if you're scrubbing floors and so generally what we say is if you have 30 minutes of activity five days a week that's going to help keep your metabolism up it's going to help with your heart and your blood pressure and your blood sugar because we know activity actually helps us use the sugar better. So, and that 30 minutes can be all at once. It can be six different times for five minutes. It can be two 15 minutes. It all adds up. So it's not, there's not a, because a lot of these diets will say, oh, you have to do this video for 20 minutes a day. It doesn't matter as long as you're moving. I talk with my hands a lot, so I think that counts. <laughs> yeah, how many calories are you are I know, you right now, right? Exactly.
1: <laughs> so let's talk a little bit, um, just kind of rolling back into diabetes. Let's say there's, there is somebody who maybe doesn't manage their diet very well. They don't exercise. They don't do all these kind of tips that you've been sharing with Jason and I. They have a hard time healing wounds. So let's say they fall.
0: Mm-hmm. What
1: happens during that process, and why are wounds so hard to heal if somebody is diabetic?
0: That is a really good question, and And when we are doing our assessment, we ask if that's one of the problems they've had. So when our blood sugar is consistently high, it actually produces kind of a constant state of inflammation in our Mm -hmm. body. And if you think about it, when we have a lot of sugar in our blood, the blood is more concentrated. So it moves slower. It's harder for our heart to pump and get it around. And it's harder on our blood vessels. So it puts everything kind of in this state of already... It's inflamed and irritated, and so then if you add a wound to that, it can make it hard for all of those healing processes to work, and it makes it harder for our blood, our body to recover because it's already in this heightened state, almost like we're sick all the time. So it just makes everything harder to fix, and if you get sick, if you get a cold, it can take longer for it to heal too, just because mm-hmm. we're in this constant state of inflammation.
1: Yeah, I think it's interesting because one thing I think a lot of people don't recognize or realize about diabetes is the toll that it takes on your entire body, Mm -hmm. like your feet. People walk everywhere, right? You you wake up, you roll out of bed, you walk to the restroom or whatever Mm -hmm. it is. You get a glass of water, you start your day. If you have diabetes, it can affect all of these different areas of your body.
0: Right. And it, you know, not only your feet, it affects your heart, it affects your Mm -hmm. kidneys, which is the filter for your body. So that's how we get rid of our waste products. It can affect your eyes. Diabetic retinopathy or damage Mm -hmm. to the backs of our eyes is one of the leading causes of blindness because... Those blood vessels are so delicate, and if we have high blood sugar, it damages those small blood vessels, and that's what can cause us to get scar tissue back there, and then it affects our vision.
1: Now, one of the things that you guys are offering, I say this in the middle of our third surge, right, are diabetes self-management education and support programs. Mm -hmm. Let's talk a little bit about those programs with the few minutes that we have left and when the next
0: one might be available. So... As of right now, fingers crossed. (laughs) Yes, um, we are finally getting to restart our support group, and um, since and it was canceled in March of 2020, Mm -hmm. so it's been two years, um, and that is absolutely free. You don't need a referral. You don't need anything other than to bring yourself down, um, and that's the second Tuesday of every month. Uh, So the first one will be February 8th, which is in just a few weeks, crazy enough. Um, And it'll be from 4 to 5, and that's located at the Delbert Day Cancer Building in the Shirley Day Conference Rooms, um, and it's C, D, and E. So we'll have, the first one is kind of a kickstart to managing your diabetes in the new year. And it's just kind of a welcome back, and we're, you know, so, but each month we will have certain topics and it sounds like we're going to be doing those survival skills classes during the next four months so i think march april may and june we're going to break up those that four hours of education into those four support group sessions so that we can give all that information to people because i can't tell you how many people who've had diabetes for a long time come in and then we start talking and they say i never knew that you know so Mm -hmm. it's there's so much information and misinformation out there that, you know, we follow what the American Diabetes Association, their research shows and what they recommend. And so we're constantly referencing all that to make sure we're giving the most correct information for people.
1: I love that. One of the things that I really love and a question that I had here are some of the topics that you guys cover, because we were talking, I think it was a meeting earlier this week, Jason, and some of the diabetes topics that you guys cover came up. And one of them was Traveling with diabetes. Yes.
0: Yes. And that's, I mean, it's hard enough to go eat out when you have diabetes because you think about what's on my plate and what can I eat? And, you know, there's that Freestyle Libre commercial where everything is no, no, no. Mm -hmm. And there are no illegal foods when you have diabetes. It's more how you put your meal together. Mm -hmm. But then the thought of getting on an airplane or trying to go to Mexico or Hawaii, anywhere, and manage eating somewhere that you don't have a kitchen or you don't necessarily have a fridge and what do you do with your medicines and all those things so we talk about all that because those special circumstances may not be all the time but they have a huge impact on our life and it can really affect how much enjoyment you may get out of those breaks. No I love that I'm really excited and um,
1: although I don't have diabetes I really look forward to those groups because it's it, they provide so much educational
0: information mm-hmm.
1: to our community that needs it.
0: Right. And there's so many, I mean, doctors don't have time. And that, and mm-hmm. it's not anything against them. You're given 15 minutes for your appointment, maybe 30. Yeah. And they, you just can't talk about everything. Mm-hmm. And we get 10 hours to go over and get into detail. And with COVID, it's all one-on-one. Support group won't be. It'll be whoever wants to come. We're going to talk and You know, and there will be time there to talk to each other and give each other support Mm -hmm. with, you know, how to keep trying and keep working at managing your diabetes. But if it's, we're talking about the classes, they're very small. So you get a lot of that individualized attention.
2: I think it's very valid to point out, too, that now we have so much technology in the palm of our hands and we think that Google is always right. And that's not always the case. This Mm -hmm. is an opportunity to actually get the right information from the right authority uh, to to put a term to it, you know, hear it from the horse's mouth. Mm -hmm. Because I'm guilty. Oh, I'm tired all the time. And uh, I'll look up something on Google that tells me what I want to hear. Right. Oh, I'm not pre-diabetic because I just uh, stayed up late too late last night or something along those lines. Mm -hmm. So I think there's a lot of value that these, these classes offer.
0: Or if you look on WebMD, you're always dying. So (laughs) I'm like looking down in shame. I do that. Well, you
2: know,
1: I think it's perfect uh, while we finish up to kind of plug my chart, too. Because like Jason said, instead of Googling, instead of WebMDing, like something Paige would do, you can message your provider on my MyChart right. and they can answer back to mm-hmm. you. So you may not even have to have an appointment in person and spend a couple of hours of your day going in to spend 15 minutes with your provider. You can just shoot them an email now, which right. is really great because it puts healthcare in your hands.
0: Mm-hmm. And yeah. we, we can be messaged on my chart as well, yeah. and we are always willing to talk to people on the phone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Telehealth, or, you mentioned. Yeah. And telehealth, all those things to try and give everybody those resources. Yeah,
1: I love that. Kim, thank you so much for being here today. We really appreciate your knowledge and expertise thanks for having me it was fun so just to kind of wrap up um, their first support group meeting is going to be february 8th 4 to 5 p.m in the ddci today we've been speaking with kim richardson a diabetes nurse educator at phelps health if you missed part of the show or would like to listen to it again please visit phelpshealth.org